Alabama has been at a crossroads. We have been at crossroads in the past. And unfortunately, we have usually taken the wrong fork. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you took the right road. Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. That, of course, was Democrat Doug Jones, who will now replace Attorney General Jeff Sessions in the United States Senate. Jones beat controversial Republican candidate Roy Moore, who was endorsed by President Trump and his former strategist, Steve Bannon. But he was rejected by Senator Mitch McConnell and moderate Republicans who were pretty disgusted about predatory sexual harassment and assault allegations against the candidate. Yesterday, many analysts thought there was a good chance the embattled Republican could still win in that overwhelmingly red state, of Alabama, but a wave of African-American voters combined with suppressed numbers for more among Republicans really delivered the day for Doug Jones and sent the first Democrat to the Senate from Alabama in 25 years. That is where we begin the show today, talking about this historic uh, election in Alabama last night and what will sort of unfold in the future. And joining us now to help us break down what happened is Mara Eliason. She's the national political correspondent for NPR in Washington. Mara, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah. So uh, I, I said in the uh, in the billboard for the show this morning that uh, the, the real question here is whether this is some sort of political reordering or an anomaly. And uh, I'll start there with you. What do you, what do you think about what we're Well, saying? I think it's both. And I don't think that any cliche is too <laughs> corny to use for what happened. It was a shockwave. It looks like there's a tsunami brewing. Right. It was stunning, et cetera. Look, we saw this in Virginia. The reason I say it's not an anomaly is because it took the Virginia playbook, even though Virginia was a light blue state or right. swing state, get the Democratic coalition out. Democrats are fired up conservatives are kind of unenthusiastic and depressed, and then get just enough crossover votes. Now, that's what Doug Jones added to the recipe. In Virginia, the Democratic candidate who won stunningly by nine points for mm -hmm, governor mm -hmm. didn't really get a lot of Trump voters. He just got the Democratic coalition out. Of course, that's enough in Virginia because there are enough of those voters in Virginia. In the deep south, you south, you have to have crossovers, uh, you know, Republican voters who will actually vote for the Democrat, right. not just stay home or do a write-in. Now, the reason why that um, also could be an anomaly, even though we see a playbook for Democrats forming that could be used elsewhere in 2018, is because Roy Moore was an anomalous candidate. He was extreme. Right. He had embarrassed Alabama Republicans, the kind of Chamber of Commerce, Country Club, uh, moderate, business-oriented Republicans, before any of these sexual scandals came out. So, so that was already there. And that is one of the reasons why the president originally heeded Mitch McConnell's advice and came out for Luther Strange against Roy Moore in the primary. And of right, course, he right. lost. And he lost again. So I think this is definitely... Uh, even though some of it might be anomalous because Roy Moore was a very extreme candidate, there's a playbook here that Repu that Democrats will will be using next year in many, many places. Right. Uh, you know, you think about Alabama as as red a state as that is. I mean, just the, the 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 occasion of a Democrat winning a statewide race there is is, as you point out, 
uh, worthy of any cliche you might uh, drag out of uh, out of your notebook. Um, but <laughs> and we're so happy to have the opportunity. <laughs> That's right. We never get to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, but but you you know you you do wonder given the coalition that Doug Jones was able to put together uh, where we're learning this morning about how uh, how how he was aided by black voters who made up you know 28 percent uh, of the vote that's greater than their 26 percent share of the population I mean that almost never never happens I mean it, it almost he overperformed all, yeah. he overperformed we yeah. were saying that he with the the, the the benchmark the target was 25 percent right that, right that that that's what he needed African Americans to represent in the electorate and he over performed. Yeah. So is that and, possible yeah. to duplicate, though? I mean, you, can you do that in yes. Mississippi or in yeah. Louisiana? Well, I don't know if you can do it in Mississippi, yeah, right? but I you mean, can do it in places where you need to do it. Maybe Missouri, okay. Um, okay. Ohio. You know, there are places where you are going to have to get the black vote out. And what this showed is, yes, African-American voters will turn out even if Obama is not on the ticket. Right. Now, it took a couple of tries because <laughs> a couple times they didn't do that without him on the ticket, but they did. And guess what? Trump voters so far haven't really turned out in great numbers with Trump not on the ticket. Right. We don't right. have a lot of data points, but so far, looks like Democrats have pretty much figured out a way to exorcise their curse which is that they can't get their voters out every two years. They can only get them out every four. Every four. But now it looks like they are. And, and they didn't just, some of it was organic enthusiasm. People really didn't like Trump. But, and Trump is a motivating factor for the Democratic base. But it was a lot of hard work. They finally, Democrats finally started doing all the things that they should have been doing in all of these midterm elections in the past, you know, 10, 15 years, which is they worked like crazy to get out every single vote. Right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Mara Eliason, the national political correspondent for NPR. We're talking about Doug Jones' surprising win in the Alabama Senate race yesterday, defeating Republican candidate Roy Moore. Were you surprised by the victory of Doug Jones? What do you think of this result? And does this foretell the kind of results we'll see in major elections next year, including right here in the state of Michigan, where we will be electing a new Governor, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. 313-577-1019. Tell us what you think about that race in Alabama. Tell us what you think about uh, Doug Jones' victory and the coattails of President Donald Trump uh, not reaching quite far enough to pull Roy Moore through that election uh, in Alabama last night. Think, uh, tell us what you think about uh, the state of Michigan. What are we going to see next year? This state went for Donald Trump the first time since uh, 1988 that a Republican was able to win uh, the presidential contest here in, state, in the state of Michigan. Is this a sign that that was an anomaly and that uh, next year could be tough for Republicans? Again, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Mara, I also want to talk about what, it, what this means in Washington. Uh, it narrows the Republican advantage by one. Uh, it's such a narrow advantage anyway that uh, that, that actually matters, or it could matter, uh, on, on on some issues, uh, what's the what's the strategy for Democrats to take advantage of that? Uh, that well, movement? I think they just need to hang together, and this is going to make it even easier for them to do that. Um, they already, remarkably, were feeling very little pressure 
to vote for the Republican tax bill. Right. Even though there were a large number of Democratic Senate incumbents in red states that Trump won by big numbers, none, no Democrats felt any pressure to vote for the Republican tax bill, as opposed to what happened with George W. Bush's tax bills, which were passed with bipartisan with some, some Democratic uh, support. Some, yeah. some Democratic support. So that tells you that they can stick together. I think that the psychological effects of this are going to be huge. I mean, this has Republicans nervous about a big blue wave. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be harder for those few Republicans who are in blue states or swing states, um, maybe Arizona, Nevada, Maine, um, to get on board with the Republican agenda without question. Yeah. I think it's it's just going to be hard. And don't forget, this is even, I think this is a bigger shock than what happened in 2010 when Scott Brown, a Republican, right, won, won Massachusetts. the Massachusetts seat yeah. of Ted Kennedy, right. liberal lion. <laughs> Massachusetts, you could say, is the mirror image of Alabama, except that Massachusetts often had Republican governors. Sure. And that certainly isn't the case in Alabama. But... I think this is going to have a psychological effect. I think it's going to um, have Republicans questioning whether they should just fall into lockstep behind some of these agenda items that aren't popular. I mean, I even wonder if it's I still think the tax bill will pass, but I, I think it's going to make it a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to Mary in Ann Arbor. Mary, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Um, my question has to do with voter suppression. There were reports late afternoon um, yesterday from Mother Jones magazine that hundreds of calls were coming into the Lawyers mm -hmm. Committee for Civil I saw Rights. That. I saw that story. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, can you hear me? Uh-huh, I can. Um, about various types of uh, complaints about voter suppression, and especially considering that African-American voters, it seems like, really helped deliver um, a victory for Doug Jones in Alabama. Um, I'm wondering what we've heard and what we need to be prepared for in Michigan and around the country to ensure that the African-American vote, um, which is already subject to um, serious voter suppression, sure. both by practice on Election Day and certainly by law beforehand, uh, that we don't we don't seem that we, we can prevent that in right. 2018. Right. Mary, uh, great comment. Uh, and I appreciate the call. Uh, Mara, you know, I, I always wonder whether the things that Republicans are trying to do to limit access to the ballot uh, would ever just sort of backlash. Uh, you know, well, sure. I think they do both. I think they do succeed in limiting access to the ballot. I mean, uh, when when um, Alabama passed voter ID, everybody had to have an ID, including a dri what driver's license was one of them. And then they promptly closed dozens of DMVs mm -hmm, in black mm -hmm. counties. Um, you know, that that hurts. That makes it harder for African-American people to get the ID they need to vote. On the other hand, it also causes a backlash. So I don't know if anybody's tried to measure the, the difference between those two forces. Yeah. But I think that Democrats are geared up for that. There's going to be tremendous amount of effort on the part of ACLU and other legal advocate groups to police this and to try to challenge these laws and also to get people the reg the IDs they need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the people have been saying that uh, to take the Senate back 
next year. Uh, Democrats need Nevada. They need Arizona and an act of God. Uh, some people are saying I think that's this about was, right. This was <laughs> maybe this was the act of God. I'm yeah, not this sure. This looks sounded looked like an act of God. <laughs> right. I, I look. They have to hold on to all their seats. The map is definitely against them. Nothing that happened last night changes that. It makes it you know they've got one more seat, so they it makes it a little bit more easy. Now, the thing that's amazing is that we started out this year saying that that Republicans had a shot at getting 60 seats in the Senate right. because they have these 10 Democrats in Trump states who are up for re-election and uh, only one Republican uh, in, a, in a state where Hillary won, and that was Nevada. But they are now looking at Nevada and Arizona, and they're feeling more confident about defending their seats. Um, until I haven't really done a big survey since last night, but before last night, whenever I would talk to a Democratic senator and ask for their um, what they define as success next year, they would say limiting their losses. Right, right. That's right. Holding <laughs> on, staying even was beyond their wildest dreams. Wow. But I think those dreams are being adjusted today. Yeah. Uh, Steve on Facebook says, I expect it was more folks voting against more, which is a good thing, uh, than switching ideologies, but it also shows what turnout can can do uh you know i i, I do wonder about uh you know the the, the choice that and, and again this was voter choice to go with roy moore uh over luther strange and whether there's there are lessons there for republicans about how they manage primaries um you know uh, Going forward, uh, what 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 can they do differently? I mean, well, that is a really that's another kind of secondary effect of the result last night. Is there's a huge there's a simmering civil war inside the Republican Party, and yes. you've got Steve Bannon who's been trying to raise millions of dollars for this anti-establishment effort. He said he was going to primary every Republican Senate incumbent, and he was going to make a litmus test uh, for somebody to get his support. They had to promise not to vote for Mitch McConnell as the leader. Um, he failed. He failed in a state that Republicans should have won by curvature of the earth, yeah. um, where where Trump won by by almost uh, 30 points, right? 28, right. something like yeah. that. Uh -huh. um, so I think that's going to make it harder. This was a huge win for Mitch McConnell and um, a huge loss for Steve Bannon. Mm -hmm. And it puts Trump right in the middle, not knowing whose advice to take. I don't think Trump ever questions his own instincts, but... He followed them, and he lost twice in Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Mara Eliasson. She's a national political correspondent for NPR. We're talking about the election in Alabama yesterday for the U.S. Senate. Doug Jones in a surprising victory over Roy Moore, a Republican. Doug Jones will become the first Democrat to represent Alabama in the U.S. Senate in a quarter century. Is this a political reordering? Is this uh, something that tells Democrats uh, about the future of their party? Do you see a shift happening for Democrats or Republicans out of this election? And how do you think Michigan Republicans might be shaped out of this? We have a big Race for governor coming up here in just a few months. It'll get started. Uh, the GOP has been embracing Trump and Steve Bannon, both of whom seemed to, to suffer a pretty major loss last night. Are we going to see a reordering of the way that the local party relates to national politics? Uh, give us a call if you want to join the conversation. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, also, tell us what you think of that black turnout in Alabama. Uh, a surprisingly large 
uh, turnout of black voters. Is that something that Democrats can capitalize on and make happen in other states? Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. Put your comments there, or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we'll try to work you into the conversation. Um, is there is there lasting damage to the GOP leadership or the party infrastructure for embracing more uh, after this? Um, you know, and, and talk about the president too. I mean, well, uh, I, I think there. The, for, don't forget the the Republican Party was split. The RNC, which is pretty much the campaign committee of the president, yes. They reluctantly went back into the race to support more after Very Donald Trump late. decided he right. would support him. Yeah. The RSCC, the, Repu- the senatorial campaign committee, stayed out and is now patting itself on the back for that. Yeah. Um, they and of course it's run by Cory Gardner, who's facing a tough race in a in a purplish state, Colorado, himself. Uh, I think in 2020, and um, so I think that the Republican Party is split, and when it's succeeding, those splits are papered over. But I think this really does call into question uh, the instincts of the president. And uh, like we said, so far, Trump has proven only able to get votes for himself, not to transfer other his appeal from to, to get his own voters to vote for the person that he endorses. Yeah, and that really will matter next year in the midterms, of course. That will uh, really uh, matter next year in the midterms. And um, I think that Democrats... Are, there are a lot of things to learn from both Virginia and Alabama, and they're going to be doing them all over the country. And uh, Donald Trump has re- has chosen a certain strategy, which is uh, only appeal to his base, double down on his base, get his base as ex- excited as possible, even at the expense of shrinking it. And I really wonder, given that one of the elements in Alabama last night was the, you know, we used to talk about soccer moms. Now Mm -hmm. I guess we're talking about angry moms (laughs) or angry women. I don't know how after he said the things he said about the women who've accused him when he has demeaned Kristen Gillibrand in a tweet yesterday, I don't know how he changes that strategy. I think he's just too far invested in it. And he's going to, you know, sink or swim with it. Yeah, it could cost them. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Barry in Northville, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Go ahead. My, uh, my take on this is, and I'm not a political scientist by any means, but what's surprising to me about the election in Alabama is really how close it was. Um, it seems to me that, you know, this guy, Roy Moore, he was such a, such a polarizing, you know, poor candidate, yeah. uh, poor, poor values, poor uh, ethics. Um, that it was that close to me says that you know Trump or his, you know, his folks or those beliefs are still pretty strong. Yeah, uh, Barry. I think well, that's certainly a, a in places reasonable... like Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Most other people were surprised that Roy Moore didn't win. I would say if you polled every political expert the day yesterday. They would. The odds were definitely for Roy Moore. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. He had been. He had. He had taken a hit in the polls, but he'd come back up. Uh, he denied the allegations. The 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 base. His base in Alabama is very similar to Donald Trump's base. You could say that Roy Moore was Trump before there was Trump. Right. Um, <laughs> right. And he has a very ardent base. Turns out it was too small to get him elected. Definitely big enough to win the primary. Yeah, yeah. Too small to get him elected. I mean, I I fell asleep last night uh, pretty early watching the the returns and and Roy Moore was up. He wasn't up 
big, but the, the, we're still waiting for votes from what they call the black belt down there in Alabama, that strip of uh, sort of uh, the southern part of the state where, where a lot of African-American voters live. And I th- sort of thought, well, you know, it's probably not going to not going to pull this out. Uh, and I woke up in the middle but of the But also night. the big cities reported late and they were African-American. And also you had all those wealthy suburbs. And and guess what? College-educated white people, even though Roy Moore won them, he didn't win them by, by as much as he needed to. By the to, margins he needed. By yeah. the margins he needed to. Yeah. And those are the people who who I think had problems with Roy Moore before the sexual misconduct charges. Yeah. They yeah. were worried that he was embarrassing the state, making it harder for corporations to move to the state. They they had a vision of a modern Alabama that that did not square with his vision at all. Yeah. Okay, Mara Like Lyons Senator and... Shelby who led the way and that's something we should mention. That's, right. that's a big deal. That is the a sitting big deal. Republican senator went on a Sunday show which is not his natural habitat to say that he was going to write in somebody yeah. other than Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Mara Eliasson, national political correspondent for NPR, as always. Great to talk to you here on Detroit Great today. to talk to you, too. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll catch up with you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Up next, we're going to talk with Atlantic staff writer David Graham about the Republican Party's rebuke, then embrace of Roy Moore ahead of yesterday's elections and what that could mean for the GOP and Washington politics moving forward. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. WDET, bringing you culture and information that empowers our community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the surprising victory yesterday of Doug Jones, a Democrat in Alabama who won a U.S. Senate seat. He will be the first Democrat in a quarter century to represent that state in the U.S. Senate. He defeated Roy Moore, a Republican, longtime Republican fixture in Alabama, uh, who ran into some trouble in the last few weeks with allegations of sexual harassment and abuse. Uh, I think anybody who saw the results yesterday would say that those allegations had as much to do with the outcome as anything else. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, tell us what you think about this victory for Democrats in Alabama, a state where those two things almost never go together. Uh, Is this something that the Democratic Party can build on going into the midterm elections next year? Is it something they can build on right here in the state of Michigan as we have a gubernatorial election that will start to unfold Probably in the next few weeks as we see Bill Schuette and Brian Kelly and Gretchen Whitmer and probably some other folks vie to be the next chief executive of the state of Michigan. You want to join the conversation, tell us about this. Uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about how the Republican Party 
managed this contest between Roy Moore and Doug Jones is David Graham. He's a staff, a staff writer at The Atlantic. He wrote a piece before yesterday's Senate election in Alabama titled The Republican Party Slinks Back to Roy Moore a month after first allegations of sexual misconduct against the U.S. Senate hopeful in Alabama. The GOP steps down from the moral high ground. David Graham, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, uh, boy, that's a strong headline. And <laughs> and the text in the story was just as as strong. I mean, uh, the, the the picture you paint here is of, of, of a party that's sort of abandoning uh, principle and morality for politics. I think a lot of people have accused the Republican Party of that. Uh, now we see that the the consequence for that may be a, a tragic loss. I mean, the idea that the, the Republicans could lose a Senate seat in Alabama was probably a crazy idea six months ago. Today, it's reality. That's right. And, you know, as Mara pointed out in the last segment, there are portions of the Republican Party that remain stalwart. Um, you had Richard Shelby coming out and, and saying he couldn't vote for more. You had Cory Gardner condemning him. Uh, but on the other hand, you had most prominently the president uh, embracing him. You had uh, the RNC having said they would not fund him, going back and funding him. You had even Mitch McConnell, who was an early critic, softening his language a little bit and saying that it was up to the people of Alabama to decide. And of course, now they have. Yeah. Uh, so, so where do they go from here? I mean, you know, it was voters who chose Roy Moore in the primary, uh, and they chose him over. The support of President Trump for Luther Strange, there was a lot of sort of, uh, I guess, internecine fighting about uh, who should be that uh, that nominee. How do you sew all this back together if if you're the Republicans? That's right. I mean, the, the currents that led to more winning this nomination go back much before him, and, and they're separate from the, the purely Alabama context. Moore is somebody who has always been a thorn in the side of the Republican establishment. He doesn't uh, pay attention to the authority of the party, much less of federal judges. Uh, you know, McConnell was wary of him because he knew that he's sort of a loose cannon and a, and a critic of, uh, of leadership. And so they, they wanted to avoid having somebody like this. That led them to Luther Strange, who turned out to be a very flawed candidate. But we've seen time and again that these candidates who are a little bit uh, outside of the mainstream and who the party fears and loathes end up winning nominations, with President Trump being the most prominent example of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's hard to fix that problem. And this isn't a civil war that's that's ongoing. Um, and people keep offering solutions. You know, Steve Bannon's pitch was that he was going to win the civil war for the insurgency. And now it looks maybe uh, like he can't do that. But the establishment doesn't have any obvious way to uh, crack down and reinstall order either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Frank in Lincoln Park. Frank, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Listen, uh, uh, the Democrats need to capitalize on this historic uh, victory. Um, you know, they put a coalition together of women, blacks, millennials, uh, suburban uh, Republicans. Um, these folks have had enough, and, and the electorate is, are angry. If a Democrat can win in Alabama, we can win everywhere. And they and leadership needs to understand that and run with that message. But so, okay, but but uh, Frank, talk about talk about how that works. I mean, what we've seen uh, up until what we saw in Virginia and now what we've seen in Alabama is 
Democrats, you know, doubling down on a message that that appeals, it seems, only to Democrats and not to independents or Republicans. So so what is it that you think they're doing differently that they need to sort of build on? What, what, what's the, the, the tuning of that message that needs to take place? He's a train wreck, and uh, they have to uh, play off him. They have to di- give Democrats the, the, the ability, if you're a pro-life Democrat, you're a pro-life Democrat. If you're a, a, a pro-Second Amendment Democrat, you're a pro-Second Amendment Democrat. But during the tough votes, you got to come with us. But you got to give those local candidates the opportunity hmm. for some flexibility. Rigidity is out. Flexibility yeah. is in. Frank, that's a really interesting. It's a really interesting point. I'm glad you called uh, and made that, David Graham. I'll give you a chance to talk about the Democratic side of, of things. You know, uh, this idea of the, the the small tent, I guess, the tight tent, where uh, Democrats, Democratic candidates, are not given the leeway to appeal to Republican voters or independent voters. Did Doug Jones have more leeway for that because it was Alabama? And is that one of the things that we saw play out yesterday? You know, it's interesting. I think the question of how repeatable this race is 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 obviously the the one for the day. And there are some very weird and unique factors like Roy Moore. And there are also things that seem in in common with other recent Democratic victories like in Virginia. You've got... um, suburban white voters tending toward Democrats or staying home, and you've got high African-American turnout. Um, what's interesting is Jones is in some ways a little bit more of a, well, doctrinaire is not the word, but a, a faithful uh, down-the-line Democrat than, say, Ralph Northam, the Virginia governor, mm-hmm. who voted twice for George W. Bush and, and has sort of more conservative leanings uh, and was able to win in Virginia sort of by putting together a coalition Jones, you know, he's pro-choice. He he really stayed for the most part down the Democratic line. Didn't have to deviate a lot from from the um, party positions, in part because he had you know the advantage of running against Roy Moore. Um, we're already seeing speculation that there may be places where he feels like he needs to break with a party. Um, but given his history, he seems like somebody who's going to be a reliable Democratic vote, as Frank said, on the big issues where the party really needs him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Frank, thanks very much for that call and the comments. Let's go to David in Detroit. David, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Hey. Thanks for uh, taking on the topic. Sure. I've been uh, sort of reacting to friends and colleagues on you know the social media networks about being really excited about this and extrapolating uh, that somehow there's a... Uh, trend uh, moving towards Democrats in general. And I liken it to Lions fans versus Patriot fans or Lions coaching versus Patriots <laughs> coaching in, in football terms in that, you know, making the playoffs three out of four years and losing is not exactly a long-term winning strategy for trying to make the Super Bowl. Uh, keeping your head down and doing the work is more important uh, because it, it took someone with the kind of accusations that the Republicans had in this race get uh, a Democrat in, which isn't exactly a ringing endorsement of Democratic Party ideals or or work ethic. So I say to my friends on the, you know, I'm a strong independent, uh, say to my friends that, you know, affiliate as Democrats, put your head down and do the work and demonstrate that you have a message and a framing that, you know, resonates with people more than trying to extrapolate fabulous success out of uh, yeah. a special election. You know, David, that's an interesting that's an interesting point too. I I, I might push back just a little bit uh, and, and say 
that that any victory for a Democrat in Alabama, no matter the circumstances, is noteworthy in the sense that that you know it's such a red state. I mean, this is a state that the president won. Uh, just walking away, and so it's not. I think you can't completely discount it, but I would also, I would also, I, I guess, uh, grant uh, the the rest of what you're saying, which is that, um, you know, it, it may not. This may not just be about the Democratic message, but but about a Republican implosion. In the end, I'm not sure which which matters more. I mean, the 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 point is that this seat will go to Democrats for at least the next uh, three years. I think 20 is maybe the, the, the next time this would be on the ballot. Um, David Graham talked, though, about about how happy Democrats maybe should be about this and uh, what else uh, what else they should be thinking about. Yeah, but I think you're right that having a Democrat win in Alabama is um, both notable and also kind of a weird um, anomalistic event. Uh, I don't know that there's a there's no way for Democrats to quickly take control in the South um, in Senate races like this, except when, you know, unusual candidates and, and events happen. This is notable, I think, in a broader national way because it takes it makes it a lot easier for Democrats to um, take control of the Senate in 2018. They suddenly don't have nearly as much to defend against. They don't have to have the reach pickup because they've already gotten that reach pickup. Um so in terms of putting in the work, I think the question is, can they put in the work to uh, win across the Senate board uh, next November? And, and that, of course, is uh, there's a lot that can happen between now and then. And, and we don't know whether they they will have that strategy and will put in that work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Jim in Port Huron, you're up next on Detroit Today. You there, Jim? Yes, I'm right here. Go ahead. Um I ran for office uh, up here in the Thumb last year, uh-huh. and uh, I think what really hurt me, and I got hammered, by the way, I think what really hurt me is that um, if you were a Democrat, you were associated with things like Black Lives Matter, and I think what really carried the vote in Alabama was the overwhelming uh, majority of blacks who voted for Doug Jones, and uh-huh. I think that in places like Michigan, like up here in the Thumb, uh, I think it's going to be hard for Democrats to win because I think that, you know, if you're a Democrat, you're associated with, um, you know, you know, Black Lives Matter, with LGBTQ and things like that. And uh, I think what we saw in Alabama, if you look at the results, is a lot of white anxiety about huh. uh, all these other groups. And uh, Jim, I'm a- grateful for the... I'm grateful for the African Americans in Alabama voting for Doug Jones. Right, right, Jim. That's a really interesting point. Um, I, I want to ask you a little more about your race. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you. Well, I think we might have lost Jim on the line there, but I'm assuming he ran as a Democrat. Uh, the thumb is a pl- is a tough place for 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 Democrats, and and the idea that uh, you would be associated with things. Uh, that may not be popular there would would maybe cost you the election. Uh, I, I was going to ask uh, some questions about how he related to the state party, but I mean I think that is that is part of the challenge here. Is uh, you know Doug Jones, uh, who who is uh, someone who's worked in Alabama for a long time, who people there knew. Um, he even had to contend with. Uh, the soft on crime uh, label, for instance, I know that they ran hard against that, and there is, uh, I guess, a difficulty for uh, for for Democrats. I guess Jim is back. Jim, uh, Jim, can you tell us more about how the state party either helped you or hurt you? You thought in the race with with contending with uh, with those kind of things. 
Well, I think, you know, the state party was in a difficult spot last year. And I think, uh, you know, the district that I was running in the 83rd is, uh, I think it's 96% white. And uh, they just, they, they put their efforts in other districts. Yeah. And, uh, we just got hammered as a party throughout the state. And I think, I think it might be interesting that in uh, 2018, there might be more seats up for grabs in places like Mississippi, Georgia, uh, Tennessee, where we have a lot of African-Americans who are, I think, really feeling alienated after the Obama administration and what's happened since. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hopeful for for the South, actually. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it's interesting that you're hopeful about the South, but... Maybe not that not about the thumb here in uh, in Michigan, uh, Jim. Thanks very much for the call, uh, David Graham. I'll, I'll give you a chance to respond to, to what he's saying there. I mean, it is a really interesting situation where we're talking about the idea that that Democrats could compete better in the South um, than in the North, uh, especially on the race question. Yes, uh, you know, a statewide race like this is an interesting beast because you have the ability to for you know an efficient operation and a, the right candidate in the right circumstances to drive huge black turnout and, and to make a big difference. That doesn't help you a lot um, if you're dealing in district races. And you know if you look at the map of, of Alabama from last night, you see stark divisions between you know deep red areas and deep blue areas. And if you're running in a you know if you're running as a Democrat in a, a heavily white area, and that could be in many parts of the country, it's true that you're going to have an uphill battle um, with some voters. Uh, and I don't know what the answer is to the Democratic for the Democratic Party on that. You know, they they may be able to win statewide races, but um, winning, for example, example state legislative districts may be a, a real uphill battle, and they'll have to figure out how to reconcile those uh, those two important constituencies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, David Graham, staff writer for the Atlantic, author of a piece written before yesterday's Senate election titled "The Republican Party Slinks Back to Roy Moore." Thanks for being with us here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Up next, we're going to talk with John Hopkins, University of Political Science and Africana Studies, Professor Lester Spence, about the significance of the black vote in yesterday's U.S. Senate election in Alabama. What does it mean now? What might it mean in the future? Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Dave in Gross Point, Heather in Ferndale. We'll get to you. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the surprising win by Doug Jones, a Democrat in Alabama, over Republican Roy Moore in the U.S. Senate race in Alabama. It'll be the first time in a quarter century that Democrats send someone to the U.S. Senate from Alabama. Uh, And Everyone is pointing to the high turnout among black voters that helped Doug Jones win. The Washington Post exit polls indicated that black voters would make up 28 percent of the voters in Alabama yesterday. And that is greater 
than their 26% share of the population. Of course, Alabama is a state with a very complicated uh, and difficult history when it comes to race and when it comes to voting. It is a place where most African Americans couldn't vote until the late 60s. It is a place where efforts are still underway to make sure that it's difficult for African Americans to register to vote and sometimes to cast their ballots. We're going to talk now about the significance of this strong African-American support for Doug Jones and Democrats in Alabama with Lester Spence, who is an associate professor of political science and Africana studies at Johns Hopkins University. Lester, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, it's good to be back. Yes, good to hear from you. Uh, I, I I wanted to talk to you today uh, in, in particular because in the run-up to this election, I saw you posting on Facebook about the choice uh, that African-American voters were facing there in, in Alabama. And as always, you know, in any election, there are imperfect choices. Uh, but for African-Americans, there are always things at stake that aren't at stake for other voters. And my sense was uh, that you were trying to draw attention to those stakes and get people to focus on uh, what the what the the sort of duality was here from an African American uh, perspective, as opposed to uh, the idea of some sort of perfection of representation, that uh, that there was a choice to be made here, and one was clearly different from the other. Yeah, uh, so I was responding to there is a um, an ad that the Jones campaign. Uh, put out. Uh, it was targeted to black voters, and it was really a tone deaf. It was wasn't just a tone deaf ad. It was an ad that arguably w- could be called racist. Yes. And it was Jones putting it out. Uh-huh. Right. And at first, I thought it was fake. I thought that it was the Moore campaign or somebody attached <laughs> to the Moore campaign sending it out. But it actually, in fact, ended up being the Jones campaign. Right. Yeah. And 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 it was that that is a symbol of kind of the challenge that black voters face that's, that's relatively unique. And as much as they, um, the vast majority of them, only 5 to 10% of registered black voters, um, vote for Republicans at the state or uh, federal level or even at the local level. Uh, so, so 90% of them, they're going to vote. They're going to vote Democratic. But because the Democratic Party has to deal with, um, uh, because the Democratic Party hasn't quite figured out how to treat black people like their citizens, mm-hmm that uh, the Democratic Party ends up being a tough, uh, a tough choice for black voters. Yeah. So for black voters to turn out like they have in this case is really, it really points to, it really points to their own, uh, to the infrastructure that black people have had to develop kind of on their own in order to turn out uh, to turn out mobilized voters. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of reporting from Alabama about Doug Jones' efforts to try to get African-Americans uh, to vote. Some of that reporting uh, was was characterized as extraordinary effort. Some of it was characterized as not enough uh, effort. But but there was not a lot of reporting before this election about the, that that deeper relationship that you're talking about there between African-Americans and Democrats, that that when Democrats need votes, uh, they show up in black neighborhoods and at black churches. But when African-Americans yeah. need policy uh, uh, victories, when they need things to change, mm-hmm. Democrats uh, sometimes aren't there. 
Yeah, yeah, and and it's important to note um, because I'm talking to Detroiters um, or, or to Metro Detroiters. Mm-hmm. This is a bi- This is a, a multiracial dynamic, yes. right? So it's not that this happens when it's Alabama and it's and it's white folk like uh, like Jones. This happens in Detroit when it's people running for office, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The the reality is that people want high. They only want high turnout in very specific circumstances, right? When it looks like they might not win, they want high turnout. If you're talking about a black mayoral race, like the one in Atlanta, mm-hmm. where uh, Mary Norwood, a white city council person, almost took um, that Atlanta mayoral seat, folks, folks want high turnout. But they don't want high turnout in almost any other case. Mm-hmm. And that leaves black people out. And as much as black people, uh, the thing that's relatively unique about black people, kind of racially speaking, is black people are both overserved by really problematic aspects of government, but really, really underserved by progressive elements. So they, sure. in some ways, they need government more than anybody else. They need representation more than anybody else. And is their vote that uh, that's most routinely taken for granted, ignored, and or suppressed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Lester Spence, an associate professor of political science and Africana studies at Johns Hopkins University. We are talking about uh, the election of Doug, Doug Jones yesterday to be the U.S. senator from Alabama. As a Democrat, he will be the first from his party to represent Alabama in the U.S. Senate in a quarter century, we're talking about the large numbers of African-American voters who are responsible for Doug Jones' victory. He needed them to win the race. What will he do for them as a U.S. senator? It's a question that comes up very frequently in American politics. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your uh, comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag us and we'll work you into the conversation. MHL on Twitter says the DNC needs to do more to earn the black vote. This morning, DNC chair Tom Perez ignored a question about blacks not being pro-Jones and really being mostly anti-more. Anti-Trump more is a quality, not a platform. Uh, again, if you want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019. Let's go to Heather in Ferndale. Heather, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, hi. Uh, my call originally was to address your prior segment, which is I think that there really has not been anything that I've listened to today. It, there really is an underreporting of the grassroots efforts that have been on the ground. They were on the ground in Virginia. They were on the ground here in Alabama. And they, I think, are really making the difference. And that is, I think, translatable to the entire country. And there was somebody who was saying they were optimistic about the South. And I think absolutely they're on the ground, they're engaging with people. And I think that's really what's making a big difference. About your segment right now, Mm -hmm. somebody, you should do a whole show on what Governor Snyder has done about the Conyers seat. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to have one election, what, a week away from the general election in November. What is that about? I mean, he's disenfranchising the entire city of Detroit. Uh, Heather, we need representation. Heather, we we had a whole segment yesterday about about that seat and about what the governor's decision was. Uh, It's a a pretty complicated issue, but, but I come down on the side uh, that you do that I don't think you should leave that seat open for uh, for 11 months uh, while you wait uh, for for an election but but uh, Lester Spence as you were saying 
this is not just a this is not just an Alabama issue. It's something that that happens over and over around the country. No, no, yeah, no, it's not. And I'll and I'll correct you uh, lovingly in two ways. You noted that uh, Alabama had a complicated history with uh, black voters. Mm-hmm. Alabama doesn't have a complicated history. It's, it's pretty so, straightforward. Uh, an oppressive right? history, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> That's not complicated. <laughs> What's happening with Governor Snyder? It's not that complicated, right? <laughs> right? You can leave a seat open for eleven months. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to be inclusive here, Lester. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I believe in. I believe in true facts. <laughs> Right? Right. You're, you're a damn good journalist, man. You know the deal. Right. <laughs> I'm trusting you. All right. But uh, speaking, speaking <laughs> to Heather's point, um, Heather is exactly right. And, um, and uh, again, part of the reason that is grassroots mobilizing is because Democratic elites, um, at best, don't know. But I think what's more accurate is they actually don't trust regular voters that's right to mobilize and uh, to mobilize on their behalf and they don't necessarily believe that regular folk and definitely not black folk have the ability and have the uh knowledge they need to uh to uh to to, to effectively govern yeah. right and again this is this is not this is multiracial when i was doing my dissertation work um on gender and political participation in detroit and we'll talk about gender in a second when i was doing my dissertation work in detroit in the mid to late 90s 20 years ago on more than one occasion, black folk who are connected to the Democratic apparatus in Detroit, uh, in Detroit actually said out loud they didn't really believe in black people's capacity right. to, uh, to, to govern themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in that in that gap, people are doing the work on their own. The challenge and I hope Heather is listening. The challenge to that is that we're talking about a country with hundreds of millions of people. So how do you get grassroots efforts to scale, right? Because it's one thing to do it, to do it once, but creating an apparatus that can not only consistently mobilize register voters, but can consistently get people to participate in, in government when everybody around them is telling those people government doesn't work, it requires more than just indivisible, for example. Right. It requires a really deep infrastructure. And that's something, that's the really the, the, the question going forward. How do we build that infrastructure, given that both political parties are pretty much bankrupt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's quickly take one more call here. Tom in Pontiac, I've got about a minute left in the show, but I wanted to make sure I get you on. Hey, uh, I really liked what your guest just uh, talked about. Yeah. I would hearken back to the Democratic primary, where the vast majority of people uh, voted for Bernie Sanders and mm-hmm. not for Clinton. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Arab people in Dearborn, black people in Detroit, and white working people. And so if things are going to move forward in a progressive way, you have to address the needs of the basic people and not just concentrate on the needs of Wall Street and yeah. the rich people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that in, in, in meta terms is... Uh, I think one of the big problems the Democrats have where it relates to African-Americans in more specific terms. I mean, it's about addressing mm-hmm. the needs that African-Americans have. And as you point out, Lester, you know, uh, African-Americans have more needs from government than other than other folks. And the Democrats are not always focused on that. All right. Lester Spence, uh, associate professor of political science and Africana studies at Johns Hopkins University. Always good to talk to you here on Detroit Today. I'm I'm back in town next week, man. Uh, We'll have you on again. (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. 
This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow.